Good morning. It's good to be back here at Tyndale. I regret to tell you that I will no longer be teaching courses at Tyndale and also at Fuller since my retirement a couple of years ago from Fuller, although I'm still a senior professor of clinical psychology there, because I'm so computer illiterate. Everything has gone online or hybrid, and I just cannot do it on the computer. So, but I still preach and teach and travel around the world to mentor people and do things in person, as long as it's not online. Also, sometimes um, people ask me for my PowerPoint slides and so on. I send them some outlines of my talks and so on. And I tell them I may have power and may have points, but I have no PowerPoints. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This morning, I want to speak on the topic of the Holy Spirit and mental health. I've spoken on and written a lot about the Holy Spirit in counseling and psychotherapy, but this is a broader topic. In fact, it forced me to go into the, my concordance searches and my studies to reflect on what does the Bible really say about the Holy Spirit and mental health. An Anglican church in Singapore a couple of years ago asked me to speak on this topic, and so it forced me to uh, search the scriptures and, and read the books and reflect on this uh, particular topic. So today I want to share this with you. This is a short chapel address. It cannot cover all the nuances and points, but I want to share with you some of the major uh, biblical texts that are relevant for consideration as we focus on this topic of the Holy Spirit and mental health. And just very quickly as an aside, I presented another major paper some months ago at the Korean Study Center at Fuller when they had a symposium on uh, the future of Christian formation and spirituality. And they asked me to speak on the relationship between spiritual health and mental and emotional health, a biblical perspective. And that was my, my, my choice of uh, the title of the presentation. Just very briefly, in case I don't have time to cover this later, spiritual health, mental health, or emotional health, physical health. In heaven, and that is to come, we're not there yet. The kingdom has come, but it's not consummated yet. You all know this in this seminary and, and, and college here at Tyndale. Okay. One day in heaven, it will all be in sync. We will all be perfect in Christ with physical, mental, spiritual health all in one. While on earth in this fallen, imperfect world, though, the three are not always in sync. Is it possible for you to have good physical health without mental health? It is possible. Is it possible for you to have good mental health without physical health? It's possible. Is it possible for you to have good spiritual health without good physical and mental health? It is possible. The three are not synonymous. They overlap tremendously. And, and, and under ideal conditions, they will all be one. But we are not living under ideal conditions right now on this uh, fallen, sinful earth. One day there shall be new heavens and new earth. We know that. But we are not there yet. So let me just quickly say that while the Holy Spirit and mental health is a very important topic, and as we look through the Scriptures quickly today, you will find that the Holy Spirit produces fruit, and He does work in our lives that come very, very close to mental health. And very often, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and the work of the Spirit in our lives, making us more and more like Jesus, does include good physical and mental health, but not always. And in fact, the person who made this very clear was none other than Dr. Vernon Grounds, who was here at what was used to be called Ontario Bible College when he gave the Staley Lectures in 1976 or 1975. And his lectures were published in a book, a small little book, that I still highly recommend for you to read, and my students at Fuller too. And it's called The Gospel and Emotional Problems. 
okay, the gospel and emotional problems, or emotional problems and the gospel. And he gave his lectures here uh, at Ontario Bible College and was published in 1976. The book is still available. And in that book, he makes it very clear that while physical and mental health and spiritual health often overlap, they're not the same thing. In fact, he made a very strong statement there. It's better to be a maladjusted, neurotic sinner who comes to Christ than a very well-adjusted human being who doesn't seem to think that he or she needs Christ. And of course, we don't want to split apart physical, mental, and spiritual health too much, but I just want to say quickly that they are not synonymous. But does the Holy Spirit lead to better mental health usually? The answer is yes. Does the Holy Spirit always produce excellent or good mental health in every Christian as you're walking in obedience to Christ and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. It is not always. It is usually, it's often, but it's not always. So that's the backdrop. Let's pray now and then we'll look into the scriptures and see how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, especially in the mental health area. So dear God, we thank you for this chapel. Thank you for my dear friends here. It's like coming home and I ask for your continued blessings and protection and provision for Tyndale Seminary and College and that you will just continue to fill this place with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that we will be Christ-centered, Bible-based and Spirit-filled people who will serve you uh, with humility and love and grace from you. And today we ask that you will speak to us. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you anoint the preaching and teaching of your Holy Word and especially as we talk about you and how you are connected with our mental health. We ask that you'll make us uh, understand things a bit more clearly from Scripture and have the right biblical perspective on this important topic. So bless us now and also bring healing and wholeness and shalom to all of us according to the will of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So mental health has received tremendous uh, attention in the last several years, especially during the pandemic. Uh, although the rates of anxiety and depression and so on went up uh, very significantly during the pandemic. Now the pandemic is still here, but it's not uh, completely over, rather, uh, the COVID-19 thing. But the pandemic is about over. Now maybe it's uh, more, more endemic rather than pandemic. But um, the point that I want to say is that all those uh, statistics that they found during the pandemic of increases in mental health problems have kind of somewhat abated. A recent uh, meta-analysis study of uh, quite a number of mostly rich countries around the world, not including the poor countries, and mostly uh, adults, uh, not including the children, so there are limits to this study. This study was published in in Frontiers in Psychology, uh, uh, and uh, it it was, um, I'm sorry, it's the British Medical Journal online. uh, And uh, the study was actually put together by quite a number of researchers in Canada from some really good universities. So I think the data are important, but they're limited because of the sample size and the sample characteristics. But you know what they found? That the so-called mental health crisis during the pandemic has somewhat abated. It's not as great as we think anymore. The rates of anxiety and depression have fallen back to somewhat pre-pandemic levels, at least for adults. Don't know about children, don't know about the poor countries. But these are uh, surveys and, and, and studies that have been done all over the world in fairly rich countries. So that is just simply to say that while the focus on mental health has been great and it should continue to be, it is amazing that now after three years have gone by and time has gone by and the pandemic has kind of slowed down and abated some, there is evidence for what is called resilience, you see, and uh, uh, post-traumatic growth. 
And it is true in previous studies that when we go through trauma, we go through some catastrophic experiences and events in this world, within a two-year period or so, about 70% of us bounce back. We experience post-traumatic growth. And only about 30% of us continue to have lingering problems over a two-year period or so, and then develop things like post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD and adjustment disorders and so on. So by the grace of God, He has made us human beings to be quite resilient people. We do bounce back. But the danger of bouncing back, as you know, is that we bounce back a bit too quickly, right? <laughs> you know, the pandemic was God's call for us to stop and to pause. And then it was zooming all over the place, you know. And now that the pandemic has died down a bit, what's happening now? We're back again to abnormal, normal. But God wants us to pause. He wants us to stop. He wants us to be still and to know that He is God. So let's look at the scriptures now about the Holy Spirit and mental health. Is mental health important? Yes. There are many conferences now and, and, and publications and books and so on on the church and mental health. I've been involved in speaking at some of those conferences. I've written some of the chapters. But the point here is this. The church and mental health, yes, that's very important. And an, another analogy is the church and, and, and physical health. That's very important. But it's not the most important. The most important thing about the church is the church and spiritual health. The ultimate goal of the church and of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus Christ. And that's what spiritual health is all about. And does it include physical health and mental health? Often, but not always. Sometimes, paradoxically, in order to grow deeply in Christ, in order to become more like Jesus, in order to experience true spiritual health and well-being, we suffer some physical problems. We suffer some mental health problems. And God uses all of this for good in the long run. But usually, most of the time, the Holy Spirit is related to good mental health. Here are some of the verses, quickly, okay? Without trying to prove text, let me give you some of those verses that we can find in Scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7 is a key verse, isn't it? For the Spirit God gave us, you know, does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, or self-control, or sound mind. I remember memorizing this verse as a young Christian, you know, King James, 2 Timothy 1.7, right? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. There you are. God has given the spirit of good mental health, <laughs> sound mind. Be careful of the exegesis, though, okay? It might be a bit more eisegesis there, right? The sound mind there is, that doesn't mean mental health, per se, okay? It, it, close to that. It actually means a self-disciplined and self-controlled mind or life. But yes, the Lord has given us a spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives us power and love and self-discipline, in that sense, a sound mind. So there you are. Hmm? Ephesians 5.18, the writer of Ephesians, or Paul, if you believe Paul wrote Ephesians, which I do, but some of my friends at Fuller are not sure who wrote Ephesians, okay? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled. In the Greek, it's a present continuous tense. Be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be Pentecostal or charismatic to believe this. If you're a biblically-oriented Christian, which all Christians should be, we all should be, in that sense, biblically charismatic. We are to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who converts us. The Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit one day will glorify us with glorified, perfect bodies in Christ. No. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work. Gordon Fee, you know, who passed away recently, went home to be with the Lord, long-time professor at, at Regent College. He wrote a really important chapter in a book on spiritual formation called uh, uh, Life in the Spirit. It was edited by two people, one of whom was Jeffrey Greenman, who used to be here. And I think Jeffrey Greenman is now the president of Vision College. Is that right? Yeah. You know. And in that chapter that he wrote, Gordon Fee wrote a, a chapter entitled 
putting the spirit back into spirituality, putting the Holy Spirit back into spirituality. Because today, our emphasis, I believe erroneously, has been on the spiritual disciplines. You know, you pray, you read the Bible, you know, you fast, you have solitude and silence and all the good stuff that Richard Foster wrote about in 1978 in celebration of discipline, you know, and then Dallas Willard, my good friends, all of them, and, uh, and I serve on the Renovari ministry team with them. As you know, Dallas went home to be with the Lord over 10 years ago now. We miss him deeply. But the spiritual disciplines have been, in my opinion, overemphasized. It is not the spiritual disciplines per se that transform you into the image of Christ. No matter how much you pray and how much of the Bible you read, that's not what's going to make you more like Jesus per se, if the Holy Spirit is not there, you see. So Gordon Fee lamented the, 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 the development, even at that time in 2010, and even now, that Christian circles have overemphasized the spiritual disciplines. Every religion emphasizes spiritual disciplines. That's not what's unique about Christianity. What's unique about Christianity is Jesus came to give us life, not spiritual disciplines. And the life comes from the Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 6, it's the Spirit who gives life. It's life, you see, transforming power from above that you and I don't have and desperately need. So be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, you know that verse. We're transformed from degree to degree, from glory to glory into the image of the Lord as by the Spiritual disciplines, no? <laughs> As by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit who does the work of transformation. And we need to yield to Him, submit to Him, ask Him to fill us each day, be continuously filled with the Spirit, and He will then bring forth His fruit. Then another verse, which you all, several other verses, Romans 5, 5, for example, uh, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. God's love. And love is the most powerful therapeutic force in the whole world. Love. God's love, especially. And it heals and it brings wholeness to us by the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure what other verses we have there, but another one is Romans 14, 17. Um, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So you see, righteousness, peace, joy, those are mentally healthy things. Those are uh, emotionally healthy uh, characteristics. So by the Holy Spirit. So here, the Holy Spirit and good mental health. Yes, so far so good. Huh? Then let's go on to the key verse here, right? It's Galatians 5, 22-23, about the fruit of the Spirit. Pentecostals and Charismatics like to talk about the power of the Spirit, especially the dramatic manifestations of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And praise God for that. Hallelujah. I'm for that too. But we also must understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't always work in spectacular ways, in dramatic ways. He oftentimes works in quiet ways, deep ways including the gift of tears that he gives us, and the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, for example. But the fruit of the Spirit is as important, if not more important, than the gifts of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus, in our character formation, our spiritual formation, as well as in our ministries, to become more like Jesus in who we are, and to become more like Jesus in how we minister, and how we serve, and how we uh, let God use our lives in ministry. So Galatians 5, 20 to 23, you know this, okay? You know the Greek is singular. There's one fruit, not nine fruits, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and you can stop there. Biblical scholars will tell you that that would be an accurate exegesis of the text. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, agape, Christ-like love, that is also manifested and shown in the other eight characteristics. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, or gladness, peace, 
forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness or benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness or meekness or humility, and self-control or self-restraint or continence. Okay, let me read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge against you. So if you look at that, look at these nine characteristics of the one fruit of the Spirit, chief of which is agape love, you will see that the Holy Spirit is really closely connected to mental health. These are mentally healthy characteristics. Okay. And so the Holy Spirit produces fruit that really are good for us, physically, mentally, spiritually. However, we also need to nuance this. I've written a book that was published in, um, uh, some years ago, in 1997 with Doug Gregg. Doug Gregg went home to be with the Lord uh, earlier this year. Uh, it's called Disciplines of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we wrote that book was because a lot of the books on the spiritual disciplines up till then, and even since then, have emphasized the spiritual disciplines. You know? And some people will say that the spiritual disciplines are what we can do to be empowered by God to do what we cannot do. Actually, that's Dallas Willard. Okay? And there I have a disagreement with Dallas. I don't believe that the spiritual disciplines are what we can do to be empowered by God to do what we cannot do. It already artificially breaks and separates and dichotomizes what I do and what God does. I believe that when we come to Christ, when we really understand and know what the gospel is all about, by grace only, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. I cannot do anything. You know, in the Canadian context, the British pronunciation, right? I can't do it is American. The British way of saying it in the Canadian way is I can't do it. I really can't do it, Lord. And when you come to the end of yourself, and Dallas Willer did say that the address of God is at the end of your rope.com, but it doesn't work <laughs> email-wise. At the end of the rope.com is where God can be found. When you come to the end of yourself and you know that you cannot do it, if you can, Jesus didn't have to die for you. No matter how competent and skilled and gifted you are, you can't do it. Sorry, I'm American now. Let's be British. Let's be Canadian now, right? I can't do it. I really can't do it, Lord. Help me. Fill me with your spirit. Boom. You discover the dynamic of the spiritual life. And then you become a conduit for Christ. C-O-N-D-U-I-T. I can't do it. I now become a conduit for Christ. You get it? I'm playing around. I'm punning with the words. You're not laughing, but that's all right. <laughs> How do you be a conduit for the Holy Spirit's power? How do you become a channel of God's blessings to people? You've got to get to the point in your life when you realize, I can't do it. And you really believe that 100%. You really believe John 15, 5. It's not just a verse. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? He who abides in me and I in him or her will bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can't do it. That's the secret, you see. So when the Spirit fills us that way, much mentally healthy uh, fruit is produced. However, there's a paradox here. The Holy Spirit can also at times lead us into the wilderness as He did with Jesus to encounter temptations and spiritual warfare and sometimes this paradoxical dark night of the soul. There's a verse in Isaiah 50.10 you know, that talks about people who fear the Lord and yet still walk in darkness. We all periodically walk in darkness so that we, people of the light, paradoxically walking in darkness. Why? So that we learn the truth of 2 Corinthians 5-7, that we live or walk by faith and not by sight. 
and not by feelings. American society, Canadian society, Western society, same. Very self-focused, self-obsessed, feelings-oriented. If it feels good, do it. And the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. It's a very dangerous thing that's happening in our society today. And God wants to have mercy on us to turn us toward the real trinity, God who is there and with us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us, okay, into uh, these paradoxical uh, walks in the wilderness. So you know in Matthew 4, 1, right? And in Luke 4, 1 and 2. It's very, very uh, odd verse, you know, if you look at it carefully. And Jesus Christ was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. It's a weird verse. How would the Holy Spirit, why would the Holy Spirit want to lead the Lord Jesus and you and me as we follow Jesus into the wilderness from time to time to be tempted by the devil? But yes, because spiritual warfare and those periodic walks in darkness and those temptation times are times that prune and purify us. There's no other way is to follow Jesus but the way of the cross, where you die to self and you live in the power of the Spirit more and more. And during those times, the dark night of a soul can include some experiences of dryness, emptiness, and even depression. Mother Teresa had a 50-year dark night of the soul. I don't have time to get into that. And she still loved Jesus tremendously. So, my friends, the Holy Spirit and mental health, yes. But sometimes the Holy Spirit and mental and emotional pain too, paradoxically. But spiritual health. Are you with me? That's the paradox I wanted to bring in. That's the new ones I wanted to bring in. Because if you look at the scriptures more completely and more comprehensively and more carefully, you cannot just say that if you are a good Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have good physical health, you, you, know, you have perfect physical health, you have perfect mental health, and perfect spiritual health. We're not there yet. That's heaven. We're still on earth. But thank God, most of the time, the Spirit does produce good physical health and mental health and spiritual health. But sometimes, we struggle physically. And we struggle mentally, but we're growing deep in Christ spiritually. Amen? Yeah. I can say a lot more, but I, my time is up. George very graciously told me, remember, you have limited time, so I think my time is limited. Let me, let me just uh, uh, read one more verse for you here, okay? A couple more verses just very quickly. Um, you know that um, in uh, 3 John 2, huh? 3 John only has one chapter, so 3 John 2. John says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So it's okay to pray for good physical and mental health as your soul, your spiritual health is doing well. But it's not always that way. And then uh, in, in, um, in 2 Timothy, uh, we read about how physical exercise may profit some, but uh, godliness profits uh, eternally. So as I pull all this together, I wish you good physical, mental, and spiritual health. But I wish you more than that. I wish you the Holy Spirit's power and presence to fill you. And if physically and mentally you're struggling, that's okay, this side of the kingdom. God knows what he's doing. Pray for healing, pray for wholeness, but pray especially for spiritual health, that you may grow deep in Christ. And one day in heaven to come, when we're assured of our salvation there in Christ, he will keep us till the end. Then what happens? We can rejoice in him. And then we will have complete physical, mental, spiritual, and relational health. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
So God, thank you for your word. We ask for your blessing and for your touch, for your spirit's presence and anointing to be upon us that we may experience as much physical, mental, and spiritual health as we can, but that we do not mistakenly think that mental health is the same as spiritual health. Thank you. Thank you for your wholeness and your shalom. And one day, we'll experience the perfection of that in heaven to come. We love you, Lord. We bow before you. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think there's an announcement up there somewhere. I don't know where it is right now, about the um, Spiritually Integrated Mental Health Care Conference this coming Saturday. And first 50 students, free admission. Run for it, okay? (laughs) And George, back to you. Thank you. God bless you.